Well, it appears that the New York Post and its owner, Fox News Corp., are no longer a voice in the wilderness in this latest corruption scandal involving vice president and current former vice president and current presidential candidate Joe Biden and his son Hunter. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online with another National Preview Online podcast. Please, if you have not done so already, subscribe to our podcast. You can do so by going to the iTunes App Store and simply subscribing to NP Online or the native Apple uh, Podcast Aggregator app. And those of you who use Androids can simply go to the Google App Store or the Play Store and download the Podbean app, our hosting service, podbean.com, and you can subscribe that way. Also, follow our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online. So the plot thickens. It thickens and it thickens very quickly with this allegation that Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were engaged in a pay-for-play. Now, this shouldn't come as a shock to anyone. Joe Biden has never had a job in his life that was outside of the government, yet he maintains a very, very well-to-do and lucrative lifestyle. And one has to wonder how someone does that on government salaries, which are not trifles, but they're not what people make in um, white-collar America, let's put it that way. But we have a great deal of uh, development here. Now, one of the biggest things is that now the Wall Street Journal uh, is weighing on this, weighing in on this, and they appear to be uh, indicating that they think there's more than just simply a measure of truth to this. This is just the latest dramatic development in this election where everyone is doing everything they possibly can to try and shore up the ailing and failing Joe Biden. Everything from fake poll numbers, and we'll get to that in a little while, to softball questions at the debate. And the latest thing we have is the exercise of extraordinary, extraordinary power, if you will, on the part of the media by way of the new media, social media, Facebook and Twitter, absolutely vowing that they're not going to allow any retweets or shares of this story in the post on their social media platforms. And a lot of people gain uh, information by way of those platforms. And so they're trying to deprive most of the electorate from seeing, seeing and hearing this information so that they can make an informed opinion when they head to the toll, uh, polls early next month. But let's look at a few other things before we get to that. We had a town hall me uh, meeting uh, the other night, and on NBC you had President Trump and all of the media moguls and uh, anchors and all the other networks were going crazy because NBC decided to give Donald Trump equal time on the same night that Joe Biden was having his town hall. You had Don Lemon, the dumbest man in television, um, that's why they give him those if I only had a brain eyeglasses to wear, uh, bemoaning the fact that uh, equal time doesn't have to mean that it's the same night. They could have easily given Trump the same amount of time on a different night so he wouldn't go head to head with Biden. I think what they were fearing was that Biden wouldn't draw the same uh, audience under the Nielsen ratings that Trump would draw. Now, early numbers come in suggest that Biden's audience was bigger than Trump, 
although that may not be the case when it's all added up. But if it is, uh, you really can't draw too much from that. I heard it speculated on today, and it's as, probably as plausible an explanation as any. Everybody knows who President Donald Trump is. Not only do they know who Donald Trump is per se, but they know what his positions are and everything because Trump is never at a loss for words and he's available all the time and is always dominating the media. Biden, on the other hand, shuts down his campaign at 8.30 every, every morning. So it could very well be that a majority of people or more people tuned into Biden just because they wanted to see him and see if he was still alive and what he had to say for himself. But let's get to the questions. And more than that, let's get to the questioner. The moderator for the Biden town hall was none other than George Stephanopoulos. Now, I don't know what criteria ABC News uses to determine impartiality in journalists, but you certainly got to throw that out when it comes to George Stephanopoulos. For those of you who are too young to remember, and that's probably most of you millennials, if you're so interested in sustainability and fair play, let me give you a little information. George Stephanopoulos, before he ever became an anchor for ABC or a contributor to some of these stations, George Stephanopoulos was the White House press secretary for Bill Clinton. Big press secretary for Bill Clinton. He's a big Democratic donor. He's hardly someone who sits on the sidelines. Uh, and he's the one who moderated the debate. Not a single question came from Stephanopoulos asking about this story that took place in the Post. All you got was softball questions from Mr. Stephanopoulos. The first reaction from the mainstream media was to try and debunk the story, saying it's been debunked, it's a scandal, it's not true. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, the, the Post is standing by its story. Fox News is going along with it. They've been investigating it. And now we find that an unnamed source, but he is, a, he is an actual source, a person who was on that email thread, his identity is being withheld for the moment, but that shouldn't shock anybody because with President Trump, we always had unnamed sources that were doing these things. But I'm sure that Fox is not going to go out there on a limb without uh, adequate proof. We have a source that was on the thread of the emails that says they are absolutely authentic. And so now the weight is beginning to fall. Now, they're going to try and debunk this story as long as they can. But eventually, they're going to have to admit that they're going to be engaged in out-and-out -out misinformation and trying to influence election by protecting, taking an active role and protecting not simply endorsing, but protecting a thief, or they're going to have to report it. The email thread shows Hunter Biden pursuing a lucrative energy business. This is right from the Post. A lucrative energy business deal in China and possibly cutting his father in on the action. And it has been verified as authentic by one of its recipients. Fox News reported this just last night. The Fox report also cast light on a tantalizing mystery in the emails, as first raised by the Post. A reference to 10% of the proposed business's equity, perhaps going to the big guy. The big guy was a reference to Joe Biden, 
Fox revealed, again citing the same sources. Now, the Post had broken the news of the Chinese wheeling and dealings on Thursday, but the reference to the big guy had not been previously clarified. So now it isn't just Hunter Biden. I mean, prior to this, you might be able to say that Hunter Biden was trying to BS his counterparts in China and the Ukraine and this energy company by saying that he had undue influence with his father and he could, his father would do all types of things for him that perhaps his father wasn't inclined to do or maybe didn't even know about. But now that they're cutting in 10% for the big guy and the big guy has been identified as Joe Biden himself, it's very clear that Biden was a party to this. And this really shouldn't surprise anyone. Uh, Biden was never as clean as the driven snow. Uh, he's morally bankrupt. He was an out-and-out plagiarist. On numerous occasions, he stole speeches and sources from other people, quoted them as his own, then said, oh, I just must have heard it and probably sounded so good. It was just sticking in the back of my head. Doesn't sound very convincing. Hunter Biden in the email was identified as chair, quote, slash vice chair, depending on the agreement with CEFC, an apparent reference to the former Shanghai-based conglomerate CEFC China Energy Company. The email outlined a provisional agreement under which 80% of the equity or shares of the new company would be split equally among four people whose initials correspond to the sender and three recipients with H apparently referring to Hunter Biden. And the deal all also lists 10 Jim and 10 held by H for the big guy. And the big guy is a reference to Joe Biden. So what are people supposed to make of this? If you think for one second that things are going to get any better if Joe Biden is elected, if the media is so desperate to get this man elected that they're willing to protect and lie to the American public to do it, do you think anything of Joe Biden's continued deals are going to get out once he becomes president and has his hands on the reign of power and can really threaten people? They'll continue to do what they've been doing. The only thing that really shocks me, but I suppose it doesn't shock in a way because it just proves that Joe Biden is incompetent. When he made that speech in New York about how he got the Ukrainian prosecutor fired and admitted that he was going to personally withhold $1 billion in aid unless the prosecutor who was investigating his son for corruption was fired. And that's about as corrupt as you can get. Asking for personal gain in exchange for government funds that you don't control. He was willing to do it. And even though it wasn't his authority, he acted on the authority of the president. And he threw the president, then President Barack Obama, under the bus by telling the Ukrainians, you don't believe me, call him. Call Obama. So now he's suggesting that Obama knew about this. So he threw Obama under the bus. It just goes to show that in addition to being a thief, Joe Biden is also stupid and failing. Now, there's going to be one more debate. I don't know what the expectations are going to be, but a lot of people uh, are hoping it's going to be better than the first one, and I think it will. I think Trump was really on his game. The fact that they went after him hard in the NBC town hall with that 
harlot, Savannah Guthrie, dressing the way she did and being so disrespectful. I mean, people have to remember, you don't have to like Donald Trump, but he's the president of the United States, whether you like it or not. And you damn well better show some respect for that office. And these people show none. But the more they go after him, the more he's able to deftly sidestep these things and give appropriate answers, the more stupid he looks. He looks, incre- they look, I mean, the more stupid, I should say he looks, the more stupid he, the moderator, looks. Uh, Trump looks fabulous when he's tested that way. The more the moderator makes fools of themselves, Trump just shines. He just shines. Now, I promised in the beginning I wanted to get to these poll numbers. We've already seen that Biden's poll numbers have begun to slip in the wake of the Post report on his son, Hunter. If this thing ever gets legs where most of the other mainstream media outlets begin covering it, I think he'll really drop. It just said that Joe Biden's polling edge over President Trump eroded this week amid the post-scandalous revelations about his son, Hunter's foreign dealings, but the Democratic candidate still maintains a substantial lead. The IBD-TIPP national tracking poll released Saturday puts Biden at 50% in the head-to-head matchup, with Trump at 43%. The seven-point advantage is well outside the survey's 3% margin of error. But the poll of 1,009 likely voters saw Biden's support slip just over two percentage points since Monday and found an increase of just under 1% for the incumbent. Let me tell you something. This same poll that's finding strength for Biden did the same thing in 2016 with Trump and Hillary Clinton. But I want to give you a little historical perspective on polls. You know, typically, incumbents usually win unless something very unusual happens. Incumbents who have done a good job and have had good numbers with the economy and other things always win. Now, Trump had a roaring economy prior to the COVID, and the stock market is still just about at record highs. Employment is coming back. About the only place that employment isn't coming back are places where Democratic governors are trying their damnedest to keep it down by keeping their states shut down or limited in terms of the amount of commerce that can be conducted within them. Like New York, waiting till just recently to open up restaurants for indoor dining in New York City and then only at 25% capacity and then only with filling out a sheaf of paperwork, tracking you, where you've been, who you're talking to. Who the hell is going to go through that to go out to dinner? No one. But still, they cling to these polls. Biden with double-digit leads. Not anymore, thanks to this story, but they had him 11%, 12%, 15%. And the strange thing is, when you look at the internals in the polls, where you ask people, do you think you're better off than you were four years ago? And people say, despite the COVID, yes, we think we're better off than we were four four years ago. Do you think that you know who's going to win the election, regardless of who you're going to vote for? Yes. Who do you think is going to win the election? 56% say Trump, regardless of who they support. His job approval rating is 51%. Presidents with that kind of number in those three categories don't usually win, uh, usually fail to win re-election. So I began looking into this and I heard somebody mention something. I caught something on the radio. So I went and um, researched it on Google because I hadn't 
heard the whole bite on the radio. I just turned to the station. Do you know how far back you have to go in history to see pre-election polling numbers where a challenger running against an incumbent president had a lead of this size? You have to go all the way back to Alf Landon. Who? That's what many of you are saying. That's right. You're all saying who because you don't know who Alf Landon is because obviously Alf Landon didn't win. Alf Landon had the great misfortune of running against Franklin Delano Roosevelt in 1936 for the presidency. A poll predicted that Landon would win in a landslide, 57.1% of the popular vote to 42.9%, something on the order of a 13, 14-point advantage. And that would equate to about 370 out of a possible 531. Now, the article says 539, but that's not true because um, Hawaii wasn't yet a state, and I don't believe Arizona was either. So the only maximum number of electoral votes you could get back then was 531. And they predicted that Landon would win 370 and then 57% of the popular vote. Landon took 36.5% of the popular vote. FDR wound up taking just under 61% at 60.8. And FDR won 523 out of the 531 electoral votes. It was the biggest landslide in history up to that time. Uh, In actual electoral numbers, it's the second largest landslide after Ronald Reagan, who won 525. But given that there were a few more electoral votes available in 1984 when Reagan achieved that victory, it still stands as the largest electoral landslide in terms of percentage of the total electoral votes available having been won by a single candidate. Roosevelt won something like 98% and Reagan something on the order of 97% and change. So these numbers that you're seeing don't mean a damn thing. And I've said it all along. There's just too many things that conflict with these poll numbers. If you've got poll numbers that say Biden is ahead in these battleground states and Biden is ahead by 11 points and 12 points, you wouldn't get pollsters getting answers to questions like, well, 56% of us think that Trump is going to win re-election. You wouldn't get answers to poll questions that Trump has a 51% job approval rating. You wouldn't get people saying that despite the COVID and its handling of it, we think we're better off today than we were four years ago. You wouldn't get these answers. You have people who were starving in Pennsylvania, Ohio, but particularly Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, forgotten about by the politicians in 2016. Trump didn't forget them. They took a chance on Trump without him having any proven record in government. And their lot in life is approved. He's brought manufacturing back to those states. They're working again. They have an income again. They have a life again. They have self-respect again. You try to tell me that all these people in all these states, despite the COVID, are suddenly going to turn around, abandon Trump, and go for the man who was part of the team that caused their misery in the first place, lest we forget that Joe Biden was Barack Obama's vice president. I'm just not buying it. 
There was a drag the interstate for Trump rally in Florida last week. 2,500 cars. Joe Biden shows up and needs a teleprompter to speak to three people. Nobody's there. I saw a rally Bernie Sanders threw a week and a half ago in support of Joe Biden. There were three people standing there. One of them was holding a Trump flag. Two of them were, dem- were supporters and the rest of them were press. Nobody shows up. Nobody's interested. I'm telling you right now, the only reason that you're getting these poll numbers, these are manufactured numbers, as I said in my show the other day, designed to provide cover for the millions of fraudulent ballots they plan to mail in after Election Day. And so that when they see them and when you try and count them, if they manage to try and pull off a corrupt Biden victory, everybody's going to be assuaged by these poll numbers and say, well, the polls did say that Biden was 11 points ahead, so I guess it was true. You don't think for one second they could get away with a scam like that if they published the real poll numbers, do you, that show that Trump is leading in these battleground states? There's no way he's losing Florida. There's no way he's losing these these states where he's brought manufacturing back. If they ever showed you that the race was either a dead heat or slightly in favor of Trump, and all of a sudden millions of ballots come in and show that Biden wins, people would be up in arms. So now they have a seven-point margin, and people aren't letting go. This is just this week. People in, in Fox News Corp. and now the Wall Street Journal are not letting go of this story. If this story doesn't go away, and it's not going to, because they're going to dig, 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 and dig, these are going to affect Biden's poll numbers still further. They're not going to be able to cover it up anymore. Now you're going to say, well, they'll come out with a story about Trump. Really, what can they come out with about Trump that they haven't come out with already? The man is like the closest thing to the Teflon Don because people don't care. People don't care because nobody elected Donald Trump or voted for Donald Trump because they thought they were voting for a perfect human being. There's nobody perfect. The last guy that was perfect, they nailed him to a cross and hung him till he died. And that was 2,000 years ago. Hasn't been a perfect guy since. People voted for Donald Trump because he was a man for the times. Maybe not every time, like a, a very good journalist spoke the other day. Maybe not even most times, as he also said. But for this time. This is a critical time in our history. We have one of the major parties in this country, the Democratic Party, that has now been completely co-opted by the left. I said this months ago on my YouTube channel that I believe the descent of the United States into towards Gomorrah, to quote the words of the late Robert Bork, began under the Clintons. Bush staved it off to a degree, but his presidency was largely murdered in wars after the September 11th attacks. So he really couldn't deal with a lot of the things domestically. He was really tied up managing two wars. And they destroyed him in the press, and he wouldn't get down the gutter and fight with them. And then you had Obama, who furthered the damage the Clintons had done and tried to make it almost irreparable. And the Clinton election of 2016 is what they were hoping would be the final piece in the puzzle to put everything else in place. Look at what would have happened to the Supreme Court if Hillary Clinton had gotten elected. We wouldn't have a Judge Gorsuch. We wouldn't have a Judge Kavanaugh. 
and we wouldn't have what we're going to have, Judge Amy Coney Barrett. We'd have a 6-3 liberal court. Nothing to stand in the way of what they plan for this country. Instead, we have Donald Trump, who doesn't apologize for America. He celebrates its exceptionalism and its greatness. And fortunately, most Americans in this country still don't like to see their country trashed, and they still don't like to see it talked ill of. This is the hope of the world. Every time there's a disaster someplace in the world, Americans are the first ones to put their hand in their pocket and try and help everyone. And I'm not just talking about the government. I'm talking about you out there, private people. You know it. Typhoon here, tidal wave there, earthquake here. Oh, let's send money. When earthquakes hit American shores, do you ever see any money coming in from Europe? Do you ever see any money coming in from South America or China or Russia or these third world countries that we help all the time? Or even some other allies of ours like Australia or India or New Zealand? No. We're left to fend for ourselves. They can afford it, everybody says. But we have to be the fire department to the world. We have to be the ATM to the world. People are tired of it. They were tired of it in 2016. They're tired of it in 2020. And they thank God every day that Donald Trump is in the White House. And they're going to do everything they can to keep him there. And he will be there come January 21st, 2021. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.